The show you're about to hear discusses films, books, and TV shows in their entirety. Twists, endings, and all. Without fear of spoilers. So if you don't want to know who dies, who done it, or how it all ends, we strongly advise you switch off now. Hello, I'm Paul Tyler and welcome to Spoiler, the show which reviews movies, books and TV shows in their entirety. This week we've been watching Asghar Fahadi's Oscar-winning Iranian drama, A Separation. And if you've not seen it yet, here's one final warning. We will be talking about the whole plot of the film. We will ruin it for you. So go away and watch it now, then come back to us afterwards. Have they gone? Right, on with the show. It's Friday night. It's been a long week at work and your significant other sends you a message saying they are cooking and have a film to watch. Excellent. And you message back and ask them what they've queued up on the TV. The message comes back that it's a separation, a foreign language film about a couple getting a divorce, dealing with a messy court case and looking after an old man with Alzheimer's, filmed mostly on handheld cameras with no score. Oh, you reply while checking Netflix for an alternative. Of course, there's more to it than that. A Separation has won so many awards, it's beating them off with a stick. And the Oscar goes to... Separation. The reviews are out of this world. The New York Times said about A Separation, It's a rigorously honest movie about the difficulties of being honest, a film that tries to be truthful about the slipperiness of truth. And, writing for Entertainment Weekly, Owen Gleiberman points out that it's a movie of flawless acting, with Payman Moadi, terse, proud, angry, haunted, who shows us that rare thing, a soul in transition. Now this would be the point where we put the comments of a reviewer from a mildly famous film critic that's disagreed, and then said that they didn't like the film, but I couldn't find one, and I looked into unknown territory beyond the first page of Google. The closest I've found is the New Yorker Post, in amongst its praise for the film, accusing it of being slow-moving, which many would argue with. So what should you do? Text back and tell your partner or significant other not to burn the lasagna, if that's even possible, and find an alternative. Something with car chases, a comedy perhaps. Or just go with it. Now the spoiler team are here to help. Later in the show, we'll be taking a look at the Iranian film scene's thriving subgenre of movies about childhood. But first, I'm joined in the studio by a man whose turn it is to have the spoiler virus. It's uh, Andy <laughs> Goulding, and whose turn it is not to have the spoiler virus. Hey. It's Rachel Burnett. <laughs> Hello. Hi, team. Uh, right, so um, who suggested this one? Andy, well, let's, uh, let's kick things this way. Um, to my right. So I've run out of time to watch a separation for the recording of this particular episode of Spoiler. Um, I just, I'd finished work in the late hours, and we're talking late hours as well. It was, in fact, it was the next day. It wasn't that late. Um, and the prospect of watching a foreign language film, like we said at the top of the show, is about uh, about a divorce it, it just didn't appeal but man what a revelation now obviously i couldn't be bothered to watch it so i put on bbc3 <laughs> uh, which is which has just gone to, to to the iplayer um and i watched some of the mighty boosh uh, which, which was fantastic that's not you know it was a win-win as far as i'm concerned now two days later uh, i popped on a separation and actually well andy you tell me what i should think <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you what I thought. I, uh, 
I, I sat down to watch this, this film, and it was a film that, that I'd, I'd read rave reviews of everywhere. And I, like you, I'd, I'd love a, I love a good foreign language film, but I just I'd put it off for a while because I knew it was going to be quite heavy. But also, I'd seen that it, it seemed to have, have reached across boundaries. I mean, this is it's in the uh, IMDb top two hundred and fifty, which is quite often quite a populist list. So it's obviously like not just a critical success; it's it's reached a lot more people than y- you might expect. So. I sat down to watch it with sort of no real expectations. And two hours later, I came out of it and I went to Facebook and I put a post up that said, this is one of the best films I've ever seen. And uh, I mean, often that's a hasty reaction, but I went back and watched it again and I stand by it. I think it is an absolutely amazing film and so gripping. So, I mean, once once it gets you, you're just sort of hooked on it. You You can't tear your eyes away from the screen. And I, I just, uh, I love it. And I've, I've been back and watched it several times. I'll go back and watch it several more times as well. Uh, I just think it's brilliant. It's fantastic, isn't it? I mean, uh, I mean, the foreign language things neither here nor there. I mean, we in our house we love the Scandi drama. The problem I find with foreign language films is uh, the subtitles, and the only problem uh, is, is not reading them or keeping up because it just happens, yeah. doesn't it? It really does just happen and clicks. Your brain's cleverer than you think it is. Uh, but the problem is eating curry while you're uh, <laughs> while you while you watch it. You can't always keep up with it with with the subtitles. But I mean, you know, oh come on, Rachel, a film about a divorce. Give us something negative here. It's terrible, isn't it? No, <laughs> I think we're going to have a bit of a loving with this. Film. Um, ironically ironically yes yeah indeed um i must admit paul i did the same as you i've put it off and put it off and thought it's about divorce because you know i'm from a broken home myself and it's like oh do i really want to watch this i'm gonna have to watch it because it's for spoiler and um i put it on friday night i think so only a couple of days ago uh first 10 minutes i was thinking oh okay this is all right and then wow just gripped, absolutely gripped. And I'd love to watch it again and again and again because I think it's one of those films that absolutely bears repeating. It does. So dig a bit deeper there because we're all, I think, oh man, we're all going to be, it is. <laughs> when we started out with Spoiler, we, one of our, all of our concerns, I think, was that we all had a reasonably similar frame of mind um, about films. You know, luckily, over the past few weeks, a few, few programmes, <laughs> we've discovered that's not the truth and it makes for interesting radio. And I think we all agree with that and, and, and everyone understands that. Um, but this is going to be a struggle because it is just so, uh, so powerful. And we'll, we'll come to what I think, but just dig a little bit deeper for me there, Rachel. I mean, it's almost like one massive argument throughout the film. But mm. and if you want that, you know, if you're listening and you think, well, if I want that, we'll just go to IKEA. But <laughs> what you know, what, what is it? I think it's just so real. I think it's just so true. You said about honesty in the in the in, in the reviews. People say about how honest it is, and it's a rare thing that you have so many grey characters. Normally, you have this is a good guy, this is a bad guy, this is the person I'm rooting for, blah, blah, blah. But it's not like that at all. I changed my mind so many times. I was rooting for all of them, actually. Um, they all had things to, to put up with and things to go through. And I just felt for the whole lot of them. And it felt I felt so close to them. I felt like, oh, my God, this is so bad. And if they just if one person had just told the truth at the start. and oh, But it was, I, I don't know. And the acting was just flawless. I think they said that in one of the reviews. But yeah. it was, again, so honest. And I'm, it was funny. I watched it with a, my housemate. And I said about how amazing the little girl, the really small girl, what's her name? Is it Samaya? Yeah. And I said, oh, she her acting was brilliant. He said, oh, she wasn't acting. I said, of course she was. She's not in that situation. That's not her mum. So I said, of course she was acting. She's not in that situation. And he said, oh, my God. Said, yeah, you're right. 
But that's how naturalistic it is. Even the tiniest one in there mm-hmm. was giving an amazing performance. Yeah, and the uh, I suppose the direction and they're using handheld cameras now. I think we've talked about these before. Uh, back on Melancholia. Now let's not let's not slip into it again. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> throw that one in there. But um, back when we were talking about the time that they used handheld cameras in Melancholia, we I, I think we all agreed that you know no matter what our viewpoints on that film, we it, it felt like we were in the room. Now mm-hmm. this did feel like you were just standing oh, yeah. in the room and watching these people go through it. And you know sometimes you feel like interjecting you know it's just you know you feel so part of it now andy just um can you just sum over the plot for us just just very briefly um no no really (laughs) that's the that's the thing it's it's so uh, it's it's so dense isn't it (laughs) i was was really hoping that would be the answer as well i'm just really glad you didn't ask me (laughs) okay so rachel just do the plot (laughs) well i mean uh, it's so dense with kind of issues of class and religion and gender isn't it but there's, there's also it's also got a sort of universality to it as well which is but I mean I'll, I'll give it a go uh, there's a uh, a couple oh, I, don't, I really don't know where to start it's really uh, it begins with a couple separating uh, and and then <laughs> well there we go right? there we go no Andy right I'm going to excuse you I'm going to excuse you from this don't thank worry you, about thank it thank you for don't worry about it I'll, I'll, I'll take back the reins again and say look let's talk about that because I mean the first thing you say there is that there is a couple separating yeah. and who are they looking at they're looking directly at the camera aren't mm-hmm. they like so they're already bringing you in yeah. and you are being the judge and you are thinking well okay well hang on a minute oh, she wants to leave for a better life okay she might be right and that kind of thing and he's thinking well no he needs to stay and look after his uh, his, his dad and uh, who has Alzheimer's and you think well oh, damn it they're both right yeah, <laughs> yeah and that is that, that is how it leads on yeah it's like exactly. you, from the very start they plead at you and you think yeah yeah, I can see your point. Yes, I can see your point. You're both compassionate characters. You're both, you both have good reasons for doing what you want to do. I'm already lost, and it's like the first five minutes. I can't, I can't support either one of you or deny either one of you, and it just goes on like that. Yeah, you see, if I if I could have managed to piece together a plot synopsis <laughs> there, it wouldn't it wouldn't necessarily sound like that on paper because some of the action, some of the things that the characters do, if you just see them written down on paper, they sound pretty bad. Mm. But when you see the whole story, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, so let's face it: man pushes pregnant woman. Yeah, uh, and that that brings out one of the big questions in the story. And actually, this is this is where it will benefit from future viewing, reviewing, and actually seeing that that first sort of half an hour where things are building up. They're going through a divorce. You can see this man's getting you know stressed and stressed because he still needs to look after his dad, still needs to take his daughter to school, etc., and do all this. Um, and in in that time, did he? Did he at any point there find out the fact that he knew that the, the, the lady who was coming in to look after uh, his dad, did he know? Did he overhear that she was pregnant or not? And that, mm. I must admit, I didn't go back and, and watch that, but I think I'll just actually go back and watch the whole film again. Yeah. yeah. Um, but did he? Did he Did he know? He admits it, doesn't he, that to his daughter that he, he did know, but he sort of, he sort of also, there's, there's a lot of grey area in that. He suddenly seems to almost thought he didn't know at the time and then come back mm. to it later. Mm-hmm. It's so grey, isn't it? So, I mean, I'm really glad I chose this one because I'm really glad you guys like it. Mm. But it's a hell of a thing to try and talk about, isn't it? I I was thinking about this when I was watching it. How do we we break this down? (laughs) Because I I really advise people to go out and see this because it really is something that you need to see. Mm. Well, it's true, but I suppose with the concept of the programme, we need to assume that, say, let's say 90% of people have watched this. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise this makes no sense at all. (laughs) But um, I was just thinking about the whole pregnancy question. The fact is when he pushed her... He wouldn't have been thinking, she's pregnant, I might hurt the baby. He, in that moment, he was in a total rage. Yeah. And, and you know, he just found his father. Tied. It was horrendous. Tied to the bed. Yeah. Potentially dead. 
until, you know, he realised he wasn't. But to come back after you've gone through all that and he's your father and the person you've left in charge of him has left him tied to the bed and now put him in this terrible position. Then she just sort of waltzes in as if nothing's happened. She doesn't come in going, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. So I can understand his rage. And obviously he hasn't noticed about the whole money thing. So that issue gets involved as well. But, yeah, when he pushes her... and my housemate said at the time he didn't push her very hard did he you know and I thought well no he didn't but then um, I went on some forums like I do with these things (laughs) and um, the Iranian perspective is really interesting because in films they're not allowed to touch women yeah unless it's with aggression (laughs) they're not allowed to show affectionate touching and so most of the time filmmakers don't put any touching between men and women in the films in Iran because it's better just to not have any in there than get caught up in censorship so for the Iranians watching it they were like (gasps) oh You know, he he touched her, he touched her. And that was enough to make it a very violent act to them that he actually put his hand on her, a married woman, and, and did that. Just just that was enough. That was like him throwing her down the stairs. Because I kept thinking, he didn't throw her down the stairs. That's a real over-exaggeration of what happened. But to them, that was a very violent thing. It's quite interesting because I've seen it a few times now. Mm. And every time, I, when it gets to the bit where he actually pushes her, mm. I think, right, I'm really going to watch now and see how... And I don't know if it's the way it's shot or the... Or just, I think what it is more is that I'm so drawn into it and I'm so involved in it that I, I can't watch it that clinically and I can't sit there and think, <laughs> right, let's see how hard he pushes her and how, how bad it is. And so it's, even when you when you can go back, knowing what you know and, and watch it and see exactly what happens, it's still really hard to judge it. Mm. And like you say, it's it's obviously, it's immediately after he's seen his, his father half dead on the mm. floor. He's seen the the way this lady reacts to it when she comes back. And really, he's just thinking, I want to get her out of my house so I can focus on this other thing. He's not thinking of anything. So whether he knew she was pregnant or not, I'd say at that time, he, no. he didn't think about it, which you know, not, doesn't necessarily completely excuse it, but... It's more of that grey area, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, you're right about the cultural differences there as well, Rachel. Really, what you bring up about um, even when she's ringing up people saying because she's helped an old man that's the wet his wet himself, and I suppose it, it, it's funny because in in our culture, you know, strangers come round intermittently, and someone might be driving around and uh, to to help that kind of thing out at six houses a day mm. uh, to to a, a pretty much a near stranger. Where whereas that you know there was such a a thing as oh, this, this is obviously a, a sin. You know, will she mm. be forgiven? Um, but also also what you mentioned there as well, Rachel, the money. What happened to the money? Who knows what happened to the money? The money that was in the drawer. <laughs> Everyone's got their hands up. Who wants to go? For Andy was first. Now Andy was first. Uh, Andy, what happened to the money? Because I didn't realise this, and or I didn't even think about it. And now it seems so uh, clear. Um, but I didn't really think about it until again. You sort of go on forums. You went on forums. Forums. That's, that's very two thousands. Would you say? <laughs> you still been on forums? Anyway, Andy, what happened to the money? Uh, right. I, I think I only really picked this up the second time round. But Simin uses it to pay the the movers, doesn't she? Who have mm. been paid to only move. They've got confused over what the ground floor is. Uh, they think that they're mo- that the first floor is is the bottom floor, and that they're only moving this furniture down two floors. So they've only been paid for two floors, but they they need to be paid extra for a third floor. So it's this very small incident. It's almost almost comic 
in a very serious film. I mean, mm. you don't think of it in that way when you watch it, but it's just this tiny little thing that triggers it off. She takes the money to pay them off, doesn't mention it to anyone, and suddenly that makes things ten times worse. Mm. Oh, I just imagined a van man trying to uh, get more money out of me for taking something down one extra floor. <laughs> Come on. No, no, no. That's not But I think that kind of typifies the whole point of the film, is this sort of the interpretation of information. They thought it was two floors, but it was actually three. And it's just something as simple as that can be misinterpreted or, you know, and then it creates a problem. Absolutely right. Okay, we're going to look more into uh, some of these startling scenes. uh, And later, Andy is going to be taking a closer look at the Iranian film industry's cinema of childhood. That's all after this short break. We hope you're enjoying the show so far, and if you'd like to help us make more, there's lots of ways you can support the show. You can help the show by visiting our webpage, spoilerpodcast.co.uk, clicking on the donate button and giving whatever you think we're worth. Alternatively, if you're planning on buying anything from Amazon, you can do that via the links on our website, and we get a few pennies each time. So that's spoilerpodcast.co.uk. Or you can help us out for free and get yourself an audiobook of your choice into the bargain by signing up for a free 30-day trial with Audible via the link on our website. Audible have the world's largest selections of audiobooks, including Room by Emma Donoghue, which we'll be reviewing later this year in Series 3. We get a few quid each time someone signs up via our link, which will help keep our producer Johnny supplied with fags and special brew. Now, back to the show. So, welcome back to Spoiler, uh, where we are uh, perusing over uh, A Separation, uh, a film about uh, divorce, Alzheimer's. Oh, it's just a pitiful film. None of us liked it. <laughs> um, but as, he, as you know, you'll have heard the first half and we're all fawning over it. And uh, quite quite rightly so. None of us are, are going to make any apology for this. Um, but, I mean, some of the scenes, I mean, there, there are some standout scenes. There's Nadir where he's, uh, he's washing his father. So the main character mm. is washing his father. And just a heartbreaking scene where everything is, you know, sort of going... Um, uh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to not to use Anglo-Saxon language here. Um, everything's going wrong, <laughs> um, and you know he just he just you know starts crying, and it doesn't really make a lot of difference because his, his, his dad might as well not be in the room, Eddie. You know, um, or, although you know is is he a little bit? Now, also, I think there's there, there was one. Uh, he, normally, I would say there was a turning point scene for me, uh, but it just all it did was boost the film and make me think, oh, "Wow, this is just outstanding." Uh, and that's where uh, Nadir's teaching his his daughter. Um, I think it's it, it generally grammar throughout the film, and she out of the blue just says, "Did you push her, or, or did you know she was pregnant?" It was, that was it. Did yeah. you know she was pregnant? Mm-hmm. And there is a, a bit of a turn there because actually you think, well, until, until that point, you think, like, "No, I, he didn't. Of course, he didn't." And then he says he did. Mm-hmm. I think, oh. Oh, actually, no. This is changing the way I'm feeling about about everything. It's way you know, the, uh, the the lady's husband with anger management issues and all this kind of thing. You, then you start to empathise with the whole uh, the whole situation. But there are just it's just knockout scene one after the other, isn't it? It was interesting just going back to you mentioned the scene with him washing yeah. his dad, and actually that was the first image that the director had in his head before he had any more ideas about the film. He had an image in his head of a son washing his dad, and the dad had Alzheimer's. That was the whole thing that was based around was that one image and mm. I think that was so powerful and such an amazing thing to base a whole film around and like why would he be doing this and all the questions around that it's such a such an amazingly powerful way to start mm. and it did that one did hit me quite hard that scene I thought it was just so it said so much about their relationship I thought the the man who played the dad the dad with Alzheimer's was just exceptional he was I mean he didn't really say anything or do an awful lot but you really felt it 
his confusion mm. and when Simin left and he held on to her hand. Mm. Yeah. Oh my God, it's heartbreaking. And cause... it can't it can't be easy, can it? Playing you know you, it, on paper it perhaps looks easy to play that mm. kind of character, uh, but I think rather like playing drunk, it's, it's, mm. it's more than tricky. I think. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, it's interesting because I've I've written down sort of the the main caster and I haven't even put him down, and that to me shows that he played him really well because mm. he's almost like made himself into a prop he's, yeah. he's just a plot device or but he's 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 so real as a person mm. and yet you, you don't think of him that way necessarily mm. it's uh, yeah, that's really hard a question i've asked here and and there's no way to improve the film and this is almost an irrelevant question but we've got time to fill so i'm going to put it in <laughs> um i mean i was saying i was thinking at one point could this have been a film about about the other couple, uh, Rizzi and, and Hoja? Would it, would would it have been uh, you know when if you were to see something from their uh, more working class level, maybe shall mm. we say you know to to try and do, do a bit of cross culture analysis? Uh, but that's the way I see it in my mind, where you've got you know more of a working class couple, a middle class couple, yeah. um, and see it from their point of view and see where they're living, and then you know you, maybe there's a, there's another film to be had out of this. Mm. Where... Well, it's interesting you should say that, Paul. If you if you enjoyed the separation, you should go back to Asghar Fahadi's earlier film Fireworks. Wednesday, which does just that. It it shows well, not this exact situation, but a similar sort of situation from the point of view of of the lower class uh, couple. And uh, I think Asghar Fahadi said that it was a a sort of a combination of that film and another amazing film that he made after that called About Ellie. And he sort of melded the two of those together to make a separation. So if you want to see sort of the, the, the raw materials that led to the masterpiece... I definitely recommend going to see those two films. Mm, I mean, we, we, we just need to go and we need to do a season special yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and and go over the the, the the whole film history. I think why why did this film covering these subjects and you know I was I was playing playing around with the introduction and, and, and those kind of things with these stories. Why did I feel it leaving so happy? Why you know when when it ended, why was I very very happy? No one knows. <laughs> I don't know because I. No. I I'll, I'll tell you why. It's like, because it's such a good film, and it, well, it doesn't. Yes. You know, it, I think it clearly shows there that it just doesn't matter what the subject can be about. Uh, you can do that, and you can actually, you know, when when, when we've covered such a film as Melancholia, mm-hmm. um, and none of us came away from that film feeling on top of the world, <laughs> um, then then um, you know. But you can do it. You can cover topics like that, uh, if, and if it's if you make a good film a real no actually let's not leave the word good out of it <laughs> if you make a great film um then um you know it's, it's possible to leave you feeling euphoric at the end of it i think that's true i think you feel like you've seen something really special yeah and i certainly felt that i thought oh this is really precious what i've just sat and watched here i've had a real insight into something but i did feel sad because um i don't know whether it's been noted by any of you but they're all wearing black in that final scene, which means that the grandfather's probably died. No, I didn't, I didn't know. Spot that. Uh, didn't did you know. not? <sighs> yeah. Well, in, in well, it, it's <laughs> just getting better all the time. Because um, in in Iran, well, like we used to many years ago, you you they wear black for quite a while. I think it's something like forty days or something after a, a relative has died. Mm. The whole family, the immediate family, will wear black for forty days. I think. So they were all wearing black. Um, which there? was unusual. Oh, I mean, um, well done, Rachel. Well um, done. She goes to the top of the class. Sorry, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Sim- Simin never wore black, did she? She was very, no. very much beige. She mm-hmm. always used to wear beige and the lovely blue scarf. She's a very beautiful woman. So for her to wear black, it sort of made me sort of stand up. Oh, she's wearing black. Oh, hang on. Oh, oh no. I think I know what's happened. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh no, the grandfather's died. But that brings a whole other element to it because now he wanted to stay in Iran to look after his father. But they're still going through the separation. So, mm, okay, what's right, happened well, there? Well, you know, hold so. yourself there, Rachel. Hold yourself there because it's, it's very. I, we're we're going to talk about the ending. 
Okay, but first I think we're going to go to uh, to Andy's feature. So if you thought doing an entire show about an Iranian drama was a bit niche, Andy's gone one better, with a whole feature about one specific branch of the Iranian film scene, the thriving subgenre known as the cinema of childhood. Well, it continues to produce astonishing talents such as Asghar Fahadi, Samira Makhmalbaf and Rafi Pitts, Iranian cinema remains a comparatively underexplored area of film history. With a strong focus on realism and ostensibly small-scale stories, the cinema of Iran may not sound like an inviting prospect for audiences more used to big budgets and fast-paced action. And yet the intimacy these films offer is both an addictive and informative experience for the more adventurous viewer. Nowhere is this more evident than in Iran's thriving subgenre of children's films. Western cinema has a tendency to place children at the centre of fantastical storylines, in which their importance is secondary to whatever alien beings land in their garden or monsters crawl out from under their bed. The adult response to any film about childhood is frequently, they're kids, why should we care? With its persistent, sympathetic focus on how children perceive the world, Iranian children's cinema shows us exactly why we should care. Its realistic perception of a child's eye view makes it clear that there aren't two separate worlds for adults and children, but one world perceived in different ways. Remove the spaceships and flying bicycles, and this becomes clearer. At this point, I should take a moment to correct myself. So far, I've been referring to Iranian children's cinema, but this implies that the films that make up this fascinating subgenre are aimed at a pre-adolescent audience. In fact, they are films that can, and are intended to be, enjoyed by audiences of all ages. Perhaps a better term to use than children's films would be the cinema of childhood, a phrase coined by critic and filmmaker Mark Cousins, which puts the onus on the subject rather than the target audience. Films about childhood take us on fantastic voyages. E.T. was a magical bike ride across the moon. The Jungle Book showed us the bare necessities. But beyond these classics, there's a world of great cinema about kids just waiting to be discovered. In his documentary, The First Movie, Cousins took a selection of films about children to screen for the youth of an Iraqi village where this sort of entertainment was a rarity. Among the films screened were Steven Spielberg's E.T. the Extraterrestrial and Iranian director Mohad Ali Talebi's The Boot. Cousins observed that to an audience with no stylistic expectations, both films proved exciting in equal measures. The children loved the otherworldliness of E.T., but The Boot presented a more familiar world with which they connected on a more personal level. Talebi's The Boot is the story of a young girl whose mother buys her a new pair of red boots, one of which she loses on a bus. The rest of the film focuses on her quest to retrieve the boot with the help of her young friend and her mother. The simplicity of the story is bolstered by an unerring realism which incorporates elements of daily life for a working mother. The characters also react in a much more realistic manner than most cinematic representations of children allow for. At one point, a young boy on the trail of the boot encounters a vicious-looking dog in an alleyway. A torrential downpour soaks both of them to the skin, and, as they eye each other up, the stage looks set for a showdown. Instead, the boy simply stands in the rain and waits until the dog goes away. His actions seem partially born of fear, but mostly out of a persistent desire to retrieve the boot. Talebi's subsequent films follow a similar structure, such as Bag of Rice, which examines the obstacles faced by a six-year-old girl and her elderly neighbour as they attempt to buy rice from the market, 
or his quiet masterpiece, Willow and Wind, which follows the struggles of a boy as he battles against a ferocious wind to transport a large pane of glass back to his school in order to replace a window he broke. Willow and Wind was written by Abbas Kiristami, one of Iran's greatest directors, whose seminal film Where is the Friend's Home kickstarted Iran's cinema of childhood and the quest narratives that often favours, with a film about a young boy trying to navigate the busy streets of a neighbouring village to return his school friend's notebook, which he took by mistake. Kiristami also wrote The White Balloon, the debut film of Jafar Panahi, another of Iran's major talents. The White Balloon follows the adventures of a girl trying to retrieve the money she has dropped down the drain, while Panahi's second film, The Mirror, is about a girl trying to find her way home from school. With his third film, The Circle, Panahi moved away from the cinema of childhood and instead focused on Iran's treatment of women. This subject met with controversy in Iran and The Circle was subsequently banned. Panahi observed, I started my career making children's films and while doing that I had no problems with censors. As soon as I started making feature films it all started and I had problems. On this subject, art critic Jonathan Jones said, Iranian child films are at one level a way of getting through the strict censorship that limits the way filmmakers can deal with adult subjects. Making us identify with the powerlessness of children is a profound way of engaging with the nature of life in such a society, a world where everyone feels as helpless as a child. Following the problems Panahi encountered with The Circle, he attempted to fuse his child-focused films with overt politics in the brilliant Offside, a comedy about a group of Iranian girls who disguise themselves as boys to try and sneak into a World Cup qualifying football match, which women are forbidden to attend. Made semi-covertly to avoid state interference, Offside was banned before its official release and played a significant part in the subsequent arrest of Panahi, who was placed under house arrest and banned from participating in any kind of filmmaking for 20 years. Unable to give up his passion, Panahi filmed the documentary This Is Not A Film in his own house, using a digital camcorder and iPhone, and using his own predicament as subject matter. The completed film was smuggled out of Iran on a USB drive hidden inside a cake, and was screened to international acclaim at the Cannes Film Festival. This ingenious escapade confirms Jonathan Jones's observations about the parallels between the powerlessness of children and the infantilization of those living in an oppressive society. It also suggests to me that those who have taken the time to understand children beyond rose-tinted misremembrances and sci-fi fantasies have at least one great advantage over others, the continued access to the adventurous ingenuity of the prepubescent mind. So thanks, as always, Andy, uh, for that brilliant feature there. Now, um, I mean, really on the, on the subject of children, and we talked about it earlier, one of the uh, key scenes is, is, is where uh, the daughter talks to her father and sort of makes him tell the truth almost. There's a lot of pressure then put on, on the children, and also the, the very little girl uh, of the other couple as well in the film, when she's sort of asked, you know, did, does your father beat your mother, this kind of thing. So there was a lot of pressure put down on children, wasn't there? Uh, and certainly about making, making them choose uh, a, a lot, not just about which parents that they want to live with, but also on if you want me to tell the truth, I'll tell the truth knowing what those consequences are going to be. It's like, how, why would you put that on, on, on your children? That's not very responsible, is it? I mean, what, what did you think, Andy? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, these, these were some of, some of the really uh, the big scenes, where, particularly, uh, I thought, Serena Fahadi, who's the, the director's daughter, who plays uh, Terma, she was fantastic. I thought she was perhaps gave the best performance in the film because it was it was so real just watching uh torn apart by his decisions and these these real tears streaming down her face and uh 
I was torn on it, really, because a part of me was thinking they're doing the right thing in, in some of the moments because they are crediting her with the intelligence that she's shown and so obviously uh, <laughs> yeah. deserves. And yet they're putting a lot of pressure on her, whatever she decides. Like when, when he says to her, if you, if you want me to, I will go to the police, I'll admit this, I'll... He's, he's basically putting it on her shoulders, whatever happens to him. So if he ends up going to jail or being hanged for, for this, I mean, they, they treat it as murder, don't they, mm. for killing the, the child because it was past a certain stage yeah. of the, the pregnancy. So obviously, whatever whatever becomes of her father, she's going to shoulder that burden as having been the one to, to do it. So you could argue as well that a part of him knows that. Yeah, so yeah. again, there's a lot of grey area there. He knows that his daughter won't cause that for him. And yet it, it doesn't see, it feels that, it also feels like quite a tender moment. It seems like a moment where he finally says, right, it's it's up to you and I trust you and I, I trust you to make the right decision. So again, it's, it's, it's emotionally very, very complex. There's no simplicity at all. I mean, one thing, a note I made about this was that I could imagine myself making the same mistakes as these people. Mm. Even, even that, even putting pressure on the on your yeah. daughter, I, I can sort of, you know what? In those in those situations where tensions are, are so high, you can imagine yourself saying those words, maybe apologising for it next day and mm. saying, "Look, I was out of order here." Uh, but really, all the way throughout, no matter at which level, which character was involved, I could see myself making oh, completely the same mistakes. Yeah, yeah, and that's the beauty of the film is that there wasn't a single one of them was that was all bad, all good. You know, they were human, absolutely and totally human, every single one of them. The children were the sort of the most pure, which is probably natural for that to be the case. And I like the fact that people are talking about the differences between like male, female, the, the political thing, the class thing. And um, the hope for the future for Iran as well, I think, was in the friendship between the two daughters, because even when it really kicked off, and um, they went to the lower class couple's house. The girls were outside playing. Yeah. And yeah. I thought, you know, that's the hope for the future is yeah. that, you know, all this stuff that goes on, they can still be friends. You know, their parents are at each other's throats. It doesn't matter to them. They're going to look after each other. And um, that was a really hopeful thing, a really hopeful part of it. Mm. It's funny you use the, the terminology you're using, which is the same as I would use, which is kicking off and <laughs> uh, at each other's throats. Actually, it's funny when you are reading the subtitles and you never know how things are, are exactly translated. But always, even at their, 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 their heights, and it does get quite ferocious, it gets violent. It, generally, it does. they always say with respect. And, and <laughs> yeah. you sort of think, well, you know, your face is showing the, the amount of respect as, a, as an English football fan throwing a, 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 a white plastic garden chair across an Italian piazza. I mean, you know, it's not, but it's still, I don't know, there's something there which I found, mm. oh, that's quite nice. <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's like it when uh, when you hear them in the House of Commons say the honourable <laughs> yeah. gentleman, yeah. you know, that they, they really don't mean it. I think what really stuck out for me was when um, they were going to arrest Hodjat, they were going to arrest him for something. Um, probably for just being too loud and aggressive. And um, Nadia stood up for him and said, no, no, please don't do not do this to him. And I thought, wow, even at this level where he could just totally go, I don't care, that's, you know. He understood, he saw the wife crying, pleading, and thought, no, I'm not going to put her in that position. Mm. So there's still compassion. Yeah, I, still, I really like that little detail as well, that he wasn't just, it'd be easy to just have a hot-headed character that everyone mm. thinks, oh, we get off again. But mm. there's this little detail about him having been unfairly dismissed from his job, mm. which seems to, a lot of his attitude seems to be rooted in that. Mm. He's, he's obviously anger left over from that, but also he, he wants to see 
justice for himself in yeah. whatever situation, however he's interpreted that. Again, which is relatable to, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's absolutely. all relatable to. Now, it is, walk towards the end of this now and sort of say, well, I mean, this was such a good choice for our spoiler programme. Uh, I mean, not on differences of opinion, but that doesn't always work. But I mean, it, it, we discussed the whole plot, most importantly, the endings. I mean, what... What an ending. And I, I think part of that reason why I came out of this just, just feeling so good because I was just overawed by the final scene. And it's a funny thing because actually I mean, it wasn't again until I looked on the, on that their internet that sort of said, well, actually there wasn't a soundtrack to it until the final scene. Uh, mm-hmm. And the final scene as well, Rachel, which you brilliantly pointed out earlier, they're all wearing black. That's such a good point. <laughs> um, it is. No, well, no. It, it no, no. Right. State your case. State your case. <laughs> you know, we're, we're not here to be proven wrong. But, but you just sat there and this, again, it's so multi-layered because at that point you're thinking, well, you cruel so-and-so is making your daughter choose between you. But actually, like you said, Andy, you know, all right, fair enough. It might well be the right thing because she is so intelligent but you can see the emotional trauma she's going through. Um, but also, just to say to Nadia, well, do you know what, actually... If you swallowed your pride on this one, you might. There might. There's, there's a way through. If you just said, "I don't want you to go," if, you know, because that was another discussion he was having with his daughter, sort of through the film, or his daughter was having with him through the film again, which shows her emotional maturity, I think. Um, but you're just sitting there thinking, just say something. And actually, this is all the time. I think the credits are rolling. Were the credits rolling at that? Point? Mm, yeah, they yeah. were. Yeah, yeah, the credits are rolling, and it's the first music you hear. But it's it's it, it's. It's live action, isn't it? And he's sat there. They're not looking at each other. And every just these small movements. And I just, oh, wow. I, yeah. you, know, you, you can tell there I haven't got the words for it. The vocabulary, <laughs> vocabulary to describe how powerful an ending that was. Mm. And still, and still the separation because she's behind that partition. Yeah. And they're still not together. And oh wow, it's just so clever. Well, I think you said you haven't got the words, Paul, but I think the word "wow" yes. is, is the yes. correct yeah. one. And we've enough, all used it. Absolutely. And I mean, did did you all like me just sit and watch? Because I mean, the credits roll for quite a long time, mm. and it's yeah, just well, yeah. those two sat there. But you sit and watch the whole thing, don't you? And yeah. it's, it's gripping, yeah. waiting, waiting because at the end, but... he might he might just. Stand up and say, or his daughter might come out and, and, and walk towards one of them. Yeah, and you're yeah. expecting that to happen, but that's again, they've left us with those decisions mm. to make. And, yeah. and on, you know, hey, you know, let's have a, a radio program and podcast where we can talk about the ending. <laughs> so, what happened next? Why, wh- which way did her daughter go? Let's go for that because this is the. Oh if we're walking, if we're walking out of the cinema together now, this is exactly what we'd yeah. be talking about, isn't it? Well, you see, I think, gosh, it's so complex. But because I twigged, I think, that the grandfather has died, so that hold to Iran has gone for mm-hmm. the dad, I think the daughter, being as wise and as clever as she is, and we know she is, would possibly choose her mum, knowing that now the dad hasn't got the tie, that he might just go with them. Mm-hmm. If there's two of them pulling out, yeah. then he might just go with them. However, he's already proven that he's a sort of person that stands and fights. Mm-hmm. And this, this is something that somebody mentioned um, in a review, and I thought, my God, that's absolutely right. Simin represents the maternal instinct to flee and protect your child. She flees away and runs away, protect. And the father, I will stand and fight. And that's the difference in Iran is there are people that run away and people that stand and fight. And this is my country. I'm going to own it. And I think he is that type of person, which he demonstrated to to the daughter when she gave money to the petrol attendant, uh, petrol station attendant. And he said, mm-hmm. no, go back and get it. And she didn't. He was really proud of her because she stood up for herself and got what she deserved and, yeah. and fought. So it all depends which type she is, I suppose. But I think if she was going to sort of play the clever game, I would say choose your mum. Because I think with two of you pulling, he would follow you. But I don't know, it's a hell of a risk. Mm. Andy, what happened? Which which parent did she go with? Well, I, I thought she went with her mum as well. 
for for similar reasons, I thought she would she would sort of play the odds. She so often throughout the film, her main kind of thrust seems to be to to keep her parents together or to get them back together, and so. I thought she would think if she went with her mum, then her dad might follow. As if she stayed with her dad, things would stay exactly the same because it wouldn't upset what was happening at the time. So I think she chooses her mum as well. Mm. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, since you're asking, I'm going to say the mother as well would probably just be, I I don't know, I don't know. It seems, I don't know. This isn't a good answer as your two, so I, I don't want to go last. But I'm going to say, <laughs> well done. I'm going to I'm going to say that I just think that, that she perhaps had enough of a dad, just the, the emotional torment, mm. perhaps you know, of, of having to almost prop him up all the time. And I suppose now, but then now she hasn't got to do that. Um, no, I'm still going to say the mother. Although you know, it's, it's an open ended. I might change my mind next week as soon as, <laughs> as, as we close the door on the studio. Well, I might change. I might that's change my mind. But I mean, this again, it's such a perfect ending. Hollywood would never do this. They'd never have the mm-hmm. bravery to do this, would they? They'd never think, you know, they'd, they'd show that to um, an audience. Uh, I, I, the audiences that they, they, they choose to show at, like, first screenings and things like that, you know, while films are still in, uh, in, in, in being made or, you know, before they can make some fine tunings, they're a special breed, aren't they? <laughs> uh, the audience, I mean, you know, just, you know, why, some of them should just say, well, no, we've seen this film a thousand times before. <laughs> why don't you just leave it open-ended so the audience can make up their own mind? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> but clearly it works because it, it, this film has been so, it's gone across with audiences as well yeah. as it has with yeah, critics. Exactly. And yeah. I think probably when you were talking about leaving it feeling so happy, uh, there's probably an element of that is, is satisfaction. We've been respected as an audience to draw mm. our own conclusions. We've not been handed it on a plate. That's very true. Uh, and so you, you come away feeling good about your relationship to the film, to the director, mm. and that just a masterpiece like this can be out there. I think also, um, and I've, again, forums, um, <laughs> I think um, the Iranians love it because people are getting a different perspective on Iran. Um, I think a lot of people still think Iran is a place full of camels and terrorists. Yeah. And um, actually, it's a very green, lush country. It's very cultured. And, uh, you know, in time of the Shah, it, it, was, it looked exactly like a Western country. Um, and it hasn't changed, you know, hugely in its in its landscape and things. So it's nice to see something that, shows Iranians as people and not these scary things, you know, to actually humanise it. I think it's really important. I think it's great that this is doing so well and being more populist because people need to see this and they need to see Iran as it really is. Excellent. Well, this is normally the point where we get to a scoring system. That's pointless, isn't it? I tell you what we'll do here is we'll not insult our audience's intelligence uh, by having to uh, come up with uh, some kind of feeble uh, scoring. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll save that for the next programme. So, uh, well, thank you very much, everyone. Uh, I think this is, uh, you know, it is an absolute masterpiece. Um, If you've sat through all that and you've not seen it, what the... If if not, uh, you know, I was going to say do let us know, but no, you know, just just discuss it amongst yourselves. Uh, Okay, so we'll leave you now. Thank you very much for listening. We'll leave you now with... The poetical genius of Andy Goulding. I've never had the staying power to learn a foreign language. I always make excuses like, I've got to eat this sandwich. But smarter folks than I, who aren't procrastination prone, have handed me the keys to cultures other than my own. Their contribution to the cinematic world is vital. Collectively, they've given us the art of the subtitle. Without these unsung heroes, I would never have the power to fathom out Fellini or connect with Kurosawa. Their mastery of other tongues deserves appreciation. Their thoughts are blazed, their eyes are glazed, their minds are lost in translation. Although I'm far too indolent to ever join their ranks, as I enjoy true foe, I know I owe a debt of thanks. I'm grateful greater minds than mine are mastering linguistics, while I just make excuses like I've got to eat these biscuits. 
You've been listening to Spoiler, hosted by me, Paul Tyler, with Andy Goulding and Rachel Burnett. Our theme music was composed by Ron Butcher. And me. If you've enjoyed the show and would like to support us, you can go to our website, spoilerpodcast.co.uk, click on the donate button and give us whatever you think we're worth. You can also sign up for a free 30-day trial with Audible and get yourself a free audiobook by going to spoilerpodcast.co.uk and clicking on the Audible trial banner on the left-hand side. Now, alternatively, if you're planning on buying anything from Amazon, do it via the links on our website and we'll get a few pennies commission to help us keep us supplied with the coffee and vegan biscuits. Or you can help us out by simply telling your friends about us, sharing links to our show, or writing a nice review on iTunes. It's the same in Next time on Spoiler, we're heading to 1930s Berlin in Bob Fosse's 1972 Oscar-winning musical, Cabaret. Doesn't my body drive you wild with desire? If you'd like to contact us about that or anything else, you can email hello at spoilerpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter or Facebook or go to our website, spoilerpodcast.co.uk. Spoiler is produced by Johnny Hall and is a Joe Schmo production. The show was recorded at the studios of Siren FM in the heart of the beautiful cathedral city of Lincoln. It's the same.